Welcome to Promotional Insiders, an ASI media podcast that covers the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm CJ Medica, Editor-in-Chief of ASI Media, and today I'm joined by three companies on Counselor's just-released Best Places to Work list. Our goal, how you can better engage employees and make your business a great place to work. So I'm excited for this topic and for this panel. Um, The last time that we did our Best Place to Work list was in 2019. And really, only a couple of things have changed since, since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, a, a, a lot, a lot's changed, and it's been a, a very difficult couple couple years, as a, as everybody can can attest to. Um, but it's also been fascinating to see, um, you know, how companies have adapted and, and, and engaged employees and, and, and made them and, and, and made them happy, and sort of what what defines a, a best place to work in the in this new day and age. Um, and, and to talk about that, we have you know three companies from um, from our, our list. And uh, we'll get to the introductions in a second. Uh, first, though, I want to uh, just uh, do a couple of housekeeping things. So as I mentioned, um, Counselor, best place to work. We just released uh, the list today. So there's 50 companies in total, and we'll be revealing uh, 10 companies each day. And so um, you can find it on our, on our website, asicentral.com slash news. Be sure to come back each day, uh, see who's on the list and where and where the members of our panel rank. Uh, in addition, uh, for those of you who are watching live, um, feel free to ask questions. And we'll, we'll definitely get to them in, in the span of this conversation. Uh, okay, that's out of the way. Uh, let's do introductions. So again, for each of our uh, rep- each of our companies that are being represented here, um, just tell us uh, who you are and a little bit about your company. Um, tell us where your company is located, and then just briefly, uh, one thing that that makes your company uh, a great place to work. Uh, Jill, let's we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Jill Hasbert. I'm the CEO of Foxtrot Marketing Group. We are headquartered in New Brighton, Minnesota. Um, we uh, let's see, we've been around for 45 years, so we're celebrating our 45th anniversary, which is really exciting. Um, let's see, one thing that makes our company a best place to work. I, I think it's, um, you know, we're, we're small enough that uh, we all wear lots of hats and we all do all of the jobs and there's no such thing as, um, you know, that's not my job type of mentality. So I think the, the incredible amount of teamwork and how we spread the load as we're growing, um, you know, really creates, a, really creates a team environment that makes us the best place to work. Great. All right. Next, let's go to uh, Bridget and Stephanie. Um, Go ahead, go for it, Bridget. Uh, all right, I'm Bridget Dahlgren. I'm the VP of Marketing at Crystal D. Uh, we've been in business. Um, we're actually in our 29th year, so next year is the big 30. Um, and I'll let Stephanie introduce herself quick. Uh, I'm Stephanie Mayday, VP of Sales. And if I could say the one thing that makes our company uh, one of the best places to work would be just our overall culture and our one team mentality, uh, kind of like Jill. Uh, everybody here ha- is a player on our team and we all work together uh, to make everything happen, whether it's leadership, whether it's our, our memory makers, we're all working together uh, and we have the, the same goal in mind uh, of growing the company. So uh, that's kind of what sets us apart. Great. And uh, Crystal D is in Minnesota, uh, Foxtrot's in Minnesota. So just, just in case anyone's under the illusion that cold weather makes ha- happy employees. Um, <laughs> To, to balance that out. So uh, Carolina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yes, I am Carolina Jungens. I am an owner here at Blink Marketing. We are in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. We've been in business for 20 years this year. So it's like we're all celebrating big milestones. Hmm. Um, and I hate that I went third because I feel like I'm repeating what everybody said, but teamwork and the open communication respect for one another, I think is what makes this one of the best places to work. Um, you know, I think I think we'll hear a lot of repeat a- answers uh, throughout this conversation because uh, you know I think there are some common themes about yeah. what defines you know best place to work in in this industry. Um, so just to start off with, uh, here, let's give a little context since this is being recorded and when future generations see this, they can know what's going on. So it's March 2022. Um, you know, we've we're now in two two full years of the pandemic. It's been a very difficult two years, um, but um, you know, case numbers have dropped significantly after a tough winter. There's, I think, a sense of optimism and a, a sense of hopefulness for that we might we might be out of it. That we that the worst is behind us. Um, though, of course, 
we're dealing with things like war in Europe and political strife and all, all these other uh, other challenges that really test test people. Um, but you know, I, I think there, it's been it's been not not an easy time to do business, not an easy time to 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 live, be in society. And so, with all that in context, um, I just want to sort of give like a snapshot of where for each for each company, like what what's where they're where they're at right now in terms of their employee base. So, Carolina, to start with you, like what's the what would you say is sort of the overall mindset of your of your team? Uh, you know, what are the things that get them excited? Or what are the things that that, that, that are challenging them uh, at this moment in time? Uh, right now, I think everybody is unanimously excited about the fun, creative projects coming back to the table instead of yeah. the PPE. Um, I think that's got everybody really and, and, and business is back, knock on wood, um, to somewhat normal. We're doing extremely well and um, we're kind of all on the same page, kind of like was mentioned before, we're all working towards the same goal. And I think everybody's excited to see that we are quickly pushing those goals higher. So that's kind of what has everybody around here excited. Great. Um, Stephanie and Bridget, how are things at Crystal D right now? What's the overall feeling among your, among your team? Oh, sure. Uh, so the mindset here, we are in the peak season uh, for us. This is one of our busiest times uh, and we are growing like by leaps and bounds. So that alone has everybody excited because it's back. Kind of like uh, was mentioned, it's back. The business is back and it's bigger and better than ever. Um, I think some of the uh, challenges that we face are more along the lines of those last minute orders. Um, you know, customers are still a little bit on edge. Are we going to do that recognition program? So there's a lot of those last minute things that that can happen. But honestly, going back to that one team, we all come together, we push it out, uh, we get the, the order done and on the truck and in the customer's hands. And we're really focused on giving that customer that that amazing customer experience overall, even if it is a last minute push to get something in their hands. So uh, peak season really, really gets us excited here and to have it back. Yeah, definitely. Jill, what, what about you and what, what about Foxtrot? Yeah, I would say our team is really motivated, right? We are, we again are growing, um, you know, in, in some ways, right? We just celebrated this huge milestone anniversary, but in some ways it feels like we're a startup. Uh, we have new technology, we have a new headquarters, we have new processes, we have new customers, it's, it's really exciting. And I think, you know, that leads into the challenge, right? Like, yay, growth is happening. That's what we all want to see our industry growing and to see our companies growing. But the workload is kind of the shadow side of that. And some of the challenges we've had, you know, getting staff in and getting uh, enough production and warehouse employees to actually service that growth. So the challenge along with the motivated employees is getting enough of them um, to actually, uh, you know, service the orders and get things out the door. Um, so that, that I would say, you know, leads us to, you know, intense prioritization and making sure that we're being super clear on what everybody's doing so that we're all moving forward together um, and getting the most important things done. Yeah, it's you know interesting um, that I think in the early stages of the pandemic, it was very hard for people, right? Where the, um, they were doing all this extra work, but meanwhile there weren't sales, and there and, and and their their coworkers, at least at some companies, were getting laid off. And I think that made it very difficult. So what everyone said in terms of just being excited for new projects and growth, and um, you know, I think you can't discount that just how, how you know how excited people are sort of be to be busy, but in a good way, yeah. And with sales and things like that, you know, I think that's I think that's one of the positives, especially how resilient our industry has been. Um, so, I wanted to dive into the um, I say is a raging uh, topic of debate in in business right now: the idea of hybrid versus in person. Because we we profile fifty companies for the best place to work. Everybody's got a different thing. I, I thought we could fit fit them all in these neat little buckets, and everybody's doing it differently. It's it's really fascinating to see. Um, so I just want to sort of get a sense for each of your companies where you're at right now with with that. Joe, let's let's start with, with you. I know again, Foxtrot has a new, new office, and you guys are taking I think a different approach to what to what mm -hmm. companies have done. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, we moved to a new headquarters building. You know, in the suburbs of the Twin Cities. Um, so we moved in May of 2021. This project had been in the works for several years. So this was not a pandemic related move, but it did happen right in the middle of all of that fun. Um, and what we chose to do 
you know, as, as we were moving was we, we hit the pause button and we totally redesigned our office space. Um, in our prior office, you know, almost everybody had a private office and it felt very, uh, very segmented and, and, and just very, um, it wasn't as communicative as we wanted it to be. So in this new space, we actually eliminated private offices. No one has an office. I don't even have an office. And I love it because offices to me represent the physical hierarchy that we're trying to eliminate, we're trying to reduce. And what we did instead was we emphasized spaces for collaboration and project work. And we emphasize spaces for wellness and, and spaces for private conversations. So if you need to make a private phone call, there's a place to go, right? Um, but the rest of it is all in open hoteling type office space. And I love it because I feel more connected to my team. I feel, uh, you know, I feel like we're all more approachable and, and we're kind of recreating those water cooler conversations that were gone. Um, and so we are primarily hybrid. We do have a production and warehouse staff that are on site every single day, but we have administrative staff across the country. Um, and so we are primarily hybrid with this, you know, uh, very, very much, um, you know, come in for project work, come in for collaboration, but the default work environment is your home or wherever you deem that to be, right? I tell my team, I'm like, you can work from the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, I don't care. As long as you are communicating and you're, hitting your deadlines and you're getting your projects completed, it just really doesn't matter. So the hotel desk thing is interesting. I, you know, that's been floated in, in our company. And personally, like, it, I have a very strong aversion to it. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like, oh, this is, I have, I want my personal space. Like, I had, you know, I have a healthy reason I don't live in a, like a hostel with like, you know, 20 other people. So it's just, it's just, I have this like weird, weird, like, you know, instinctual reaction to it. Um, so, mm -hmm. but, you said it's been great. Like, what, 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 what's, what surprised yeah. you? Why do you like it so much? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's. We all feel like we're all on the same level, right? Like, there's, it's, we're eliminating hierarchy, and there's, every, every role in the organization is important, no matter where you are, and it's emphasizing that, right? We, we like to say we lead with a servant leadership culture, um, where you know leaders are really there to serve their employees, and so it felt like offices were emphasizing this hierarchy that we were working so hard to eliminate. So that's a big part of it. Um, and, you know, I have to be honest, it was a change management journey. <laughs> Not everybody jumped for joy to say like, oh, yay, Jill's going to be right in the middle of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but we, we worked through um, some, some change management and, you know, kind of what it means to use this space all the way to like basic stuff, like monitoring the volume of your voice when you're in the open environment, right? Because everybody can hear you, how to use the private spaces, how to reserve the collaboration rooms, things like that. Um, so, so, you know, it's been, you know, 10 months or so in this new space. And I can say it's working really well for us. Uh, we, we have had to make some tweaks uh, to it, but but overall, it's uh, it's it's been very well received. Okay, great. I think I think it's fascinating. Um, so, Carolina, what mm -hmm. tell us for for Blink? What is your current um, schedule? Hybrid, in person, and how's how's it working for, for you? We have we also have a hybrid, um, but our default would be more in office than home um, mm -hmm. office. Our salespeople have always been a pretty hybrid role. Most of our salespeople, um, everybody says that culture is the number one thing, but we do biannual um, questionnaires to all of our staff just to get a, a put our finger on the pulse of how people are feeling. And when we ask, the number one question is, if you were to tell somebody why you love working at Blink, what would that be? A hundred percent every single time has been culture and the people that I work with. So we have been in this weird position of people say also that they want to work from home. And so you don't want to take away, you know, that whole culture, which is your whole spine of your business and putting people on islands in their homes. And so that's kind of what we've been we've been tossing around and we're still, we called it our beta program so that everybody knows that we can try things and that we might change it. So nobody feels like it's inconsistent because we're all about consistent communication. Um, so with this piece of it, we knew that it was going to be a little bit of trial and error. Like I said, we've been in business for 20 years and it's been pretty much the same way and we've built something really special. Um, so we don't want to ruin that by just saying, yes, everybody work from home because we aren't micromanaging either. So 
on paper, it would appear that we would be like, yes, everybody just go work from home. Um, and kind of like uh, Jalib mentioned earlier, we have warehousing, we have fulfillment, we have kidding. And sometimes projects are really big and they'll say, if anybody's got some open time, we can take some free hands and they put them in stations. And so we need people around for that too. Um, that's less of importance than the culture piece of it. Um, so we're, we're, we're working through it right now. We're kind of on a 2.5, uh, phase of it. Um, we have, everybody has work from home days. We started it out kind of conservative where we didn't want to bookend it too much on holidays and weekends and all of that. Cause we didn't want everybody just to be take every person being off on a Friday, for instance, yeah. cause we knew that would be the most popular. So we realized nobody is taking advantage of that. The work is getting done. We moved it to 2.0. Um, and, and we're going to keep doing that as we go, um, slowly ripping off the bandaid of what work from home looks like for Blink Marketing. I realize it's different for different companies. Some people work tremendously with every single person. I mean, I have friends who, you know, a company here locally, a large global company here in Nashville, um, they decided to save on rent, shut down the whole thing and everybody's working from home and it's working great for them. I just, that's probably not the model that we're, we're land, um, but we're working towards the sweet spot. And I still think we have some room to to make some changes. Um, so, and getting feedback all along the way from our, our, we're small enough too, to where we can kind of get a feedback from every single person to see how they're being affected. And not that we make impulse decisions because one person likes it, one person doesn't, but we kind of want to get a collaborative view and then see what works best for Blink. So that's where we are right now. We're in a hybrid. So prior to the pandemic, uh, you said the salespeople had, had kind of worked hybrid, but was everybody else in the office five days a week? Um, prior to the pandemic, we, uh, well, during COVID, during the, when it first kicked off and everybody was like Lysoling down their grocery bags, yeah. um, and all of that, we had a very small skeleton crew and that crew was here for months. Um, okay. I happened to not be part of the skeleton crew because I was at the beach when COVID broke out. And so I had to quarantine myself. So we had a skeleton crew here that was, you know, packages were still being shipped out of here. Um, so for several, several months, it was a small group. Then we brought in a little bit bigger group and then we brought it to the full five days a week for mostly everybody else with work from home days sprinkled throughout the schedule. Okay, I'm just curious, what was sort of the biggest adjustment for, for you and for Bling having people work at least more remotely than they had to you know, prior to when this all started? I'll tell you, the biggest challenge is we have we have some employees that are like we have one of our executive team members works out of his home in Indiana. His that is his work from home space. It's his routine. He gets up every morning. He gets his coffee, whatever it is. Morning routine as he goes to his desk. And that's his routine. The biggest challenge is when you sprinkle them in and it's not your day to day is they weren't everybody wasn't set up to work full time from home. So mm -hmm. some people were in their beds with their laptops and some people were, and it just didn't feel like to them, like based on their feedback, it didn't feel like a normal work day, uh, even though even at their most, like they were trying their best to make it. Um, so that was the biggest challenge is just making sure that everybody had a space that felt like a consistent work from home spot. Um, and I think we're there now. Okay, great. Now, um, so I should mention when of, of the 50 companies on our list, um, over 80% offer hybrid. So it's definitely the prevailing structure right now. Now our company, uh, our list has more smaller companies on there than larger companies, because that's the sort of, it's easier to, to, to get overall satisfaction for a group of 10 to 25 people than right. you know, over 100 people. So there's certainly that aspect uh, of it. Um, but look, there's definitely companies that are that are in person in various forms, and certainly suppliers, which I, I want to talk to Stephanie and Bridget about this, you know, for suppliers, it's different than distributors, you have um, you know, you've got production facilities and, and, and you know, even shipping products and it's a different scenario. So how, how is Crystal D currently handling their scheduling as far as people who are uh, in the office versus people who might be working remote? Yeah, I would say our experience parallels a lot of blank marketing. <laughs> um, COVID was definitely like the catalyst for us to go, oh my gosh, maybe we need to rethink um, the whole hybrid idea. Uh, we were very much pre-COVID, everybody's in the office because like Carolina was saying, culture is such a big piece. And we just found when we're all in person, it's that, it's that feeling, that connection that creates that community that actually creates the culture. And so um, it's not that we were ever opposed to it pre-COVID, but COVID did push us a little closer in the direction of being a little more open to the idea of doing hybrid. 
Um, you're right, CJ, we are a manufacturing company. We have a production floor. And so through the different seasons of COVID, we have actually had most of our office staff who has the ability to work from home, work from home. And that the reasoning behind that was actually more to keep our production set staff safe and orders going through and making sure we weren't missing customer deadlines and things like that. So the customer was really the driver behind that decision. Um, very much like uh, Carolina said, our employees, we have done internal surveys informally as well. Um, and it is amazing. I was actually quite surprised how many people came back and said, I would much rather work in the office, Bridget. Mm -hmm. We did um, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it's that, that sense of community that people long for. And when you're around people do, working, like Stephanie said, we have this um, tagline internally right now is one team. And what does that look like? And to be able to build that, it really is that much more helpful to actually be together in person to get that connection built. Um, we are a whole lot more flexible. Um, I would say people feel like there's definitely more of a work-life balance now mm -hmm. that they have the ability to go hybrid. So somebody in sales and marketing, oh my gosh, if they have a doctor's appointment, they're just staying home and working that day and fitting it in. So we're seeing um, impact to our productivity too. Um, where we are seeing more productivity and our ability to serve our customers even be stronger, having giving that flexibility to the team. So I think one too to, to add to that uh, is making sure that they're set up at home to be productive. Um, you know, we make sure that our sales reps, when they're at home, they have the entire setup that they would in their office to make sure that they're productive because I know it's so hard to just work off of a single laptop when you're used to three screens with all your programs on. So we really make sure that they have all of the tools necessary at home to be productive so that we can offer that flexibility and that work from home time. So this is something that Virginia said, um, and I've read this idea that um, you need to be in person to build, to build culture, to build camaraderie, um, and that working remote may, makes that more difficult. So look, I'll, I'll open up to, to the whole the whole group. Do you have to be in person to, to build the, the culture you want for your company? It helps. Um, I would say it certainly helps because um, when I find when we're remote, um, we talk about what we need to talk about and we move along to the next thing, which is very productive and good. Um, but we're missing out on the little things like somebody over here, somebody at the desk next to them saying that their dog died or that their best friend just got married or whatever it is that gets a little bit more of a personal connection. Um, and that's aside from the regular collaboration where somebody's like, I'm working on this project and then they hear it and they're like, oh, why, where did you use for that? And, you know, that type of business collaboration, too. I think it just definitely helps being in person. Um, certainly not saying that it's not possible virtually, but I, for me at Blink, it's a little bit easier in person. It's a yeah, more and in our, in our experience, we've, we've always had remote salespeople and we've, we've even had, you know, team leaders be remote and it's, it's not impossible if you're super intentional about communication. I, I agree with you, Carolina. You, you, it's hard to replicate that, that those like water cooler bump ins of like, hey, did you see the last episode of whatever? And, right. and just creating these like informal connections with people. But, but we have found that we can replicate that using technology. We can use Trello and Slack and we use, we're constantly like G chatting and um, it's possible but you have to be really intentional so that nobody feels isolated. Everybody feels like they're part of that team. Um, and I think we've been able to successfully do that, but it's a ton of work and you find yourself like communicating the same thing over and over and over and over because, because not everybody is there to hear it all at the same time. Um, so yeah, that, that's been our experience. It's, it, it, it's possible, but it's a lot of extra work to make that happen. But we found it, we have found it to be worthwhile because we can find the best talent for the job, no matter where they live. Right. Um, and, and, and make that, make that still happen for us. So it's been a win-win, but yes, like the asterisk behind that is like, it's, it's hard. more work. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I would say it's it's not so much like the culture and getting somebody remote, understanding the culture and who you are, but it's that loyalty piece to the culture that I think is a lot more difficult to actually get the loyalty than it is for understanding of culture and culture fit. So Jill, do you feel that being intentional with this virtual building of culture, that it's equally as, as effective as in-person or it's good enough with balanced against the benefits of working from, from home otherwise? Hmm. I don't know. I don't like that term good enough. I feel like when you're talking about culture, like that's not a great term. Not, not to say CJ, like, but I, I'm not sure the, the right phrase to use, but we never want it to be just like, oh, good enough, check, let's move on, right? I, I think that it it, it has been effective, right? It, it's been, um, and, and, I, and I will say too, supplemented with um, periodic in-person interaction, right? So this, so, so whether it's twice a year or once a quarter, the virtual teams will come together at headquarters or they'll come together somewhere else, right? So there, there is some of that in-person interaction there, but I've, I found it to be as good as, and, and equal to in person. If, you know, if you're using the technology and the tools, and if you're not afraid to pick up the phone, and if you're constantly, you're, you just have to weave that and blend it into your day, that extra layer of communication. Yeah. You know, um, having, having written about this the past few years for ASI media, um, putting together the best place to work list, doesn't seem like there's one answer. Everybody has a different, different approach and what, what works for, for them. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, how this plays out because we're two years in, into this. Um, what about five years? What about 10, ten years? Are, are people going to keep keep adapting along along the way and find out, you know, this this is this is great, exactly what I wanted, or we tried it and it didn't work and we're going to have to go back, whatever that may be. Um, so it's, it's a very fast, it's a very fascinating topic, you know, and the answer, you know, TBD, to be determined where, yep. where things go. Um, I have a question here from our from our uh, viewers that I wanted to bring up. It's from Muhammad. Um, he's talking about working at home, and um, he wants to know. I guess does the productivity and work quality from working from home is it much better? Uh, is it much better working at home than say like working in person? Have, have you seen an increase, a decrease in productivity from home? The same. Um, I'll open up to the group. group. Have you seen a difference in productivity working from home? If you have the right tools in place, you will get equal, if not better, productivity. Uh, I think that's probably the key. And and like Jill talked about, making that extra effort to make that uh, connection on a daily basis. But, you know, like I said, we put our sales reps, we give a full setup at home uh, and they, they can do their job. And sometimes they do it even better because they don't have the people next to them listening to them. They're not as self-conscious about it because we are open cubes here as well, you know, so you can hear your neighbors, you know, so it really just depends on the person, I think, too, you know, how comfortable they are in their surroundings. Um, you know, we have some sales reps that, you know, do great here. We have some sales reps that do great at home. It's really uh, depends on the person and the tools you put in front of them. Carolina, Jill, thoughts? Um, I think I haven't noticed a decrease, certainly. Um, there might be a slight increase or flat. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with the person. I think the people that don't work as well at home are choosing to come into the office and the people that work great from home are working from home. So I, it's not moving the meter that much um, as far as productivity goes for us. Um, if anything, it's a little bit more, but not anything substantial that, you know, to write a book about. Like it's, I think people are making good choices about what works best for them because it is very individual. I work fine from home. My brother, who's my business partner, works terribly from home. He has a little bit of ADD and he cannot focus. And so he knows that he needs to be in the office and then I might do either. Joe, what do you what do you think, especially for your, your team working working primarily from home? Yeah, I would echo that. It's situational, right? It it depends on the person. Everybody has a different style. Everybody is different. Like, we think about, um, we, we do insights profiles for all of our teams. So it's the red, yellow, green, blue, um, you know, different, it just denotes kind of different styles, uh, different personality styles. Um, I think we find like our yellow personalities that are more social, 
they, they, they thrive in the office. They tend to be extroverted. They get their energy from being around people. Yep. They, they, they love to gather ideas. And so working from home from, for them feels stifling. And then on the flip side of that, our, our blue um, tend to be the folks in our accounting team. That's just a generalization. But they, they, they like the focus time. They, they don't want to be interrupted. They want to put their head down and get the project or the task done. Um, and, and then, you know, so I, I just, I think it's, it's not a broad brush. It's totally situational. And, and we want to, we want to give people, people the flexibility of, you know, if you are more productive at home, stay home, vice versa, come to the office. Um, I think actually like noticing data around productivity early on, I thought that we had some productivity around like our customer service and accounting reps that were more productive at home. As time goes on, I'm not so sure that it is, but those people are happier, right? So I wouldn't say that they're they're getting they're still achieving their goals, and and they're happier doing it. And so that to me is the most enormous win versus you know getting another widget done for the day or something like that. Yeah, Mohammed, just to add my perspective, working from home the past two years, um, I think it's similar but different. Like distractions are different. Before it was it was people coming into the office to talk to me. Now it's me living, you know, living more in email and teams and having having checked email more and messages. And my my kids are going to come home on the bus any minute, merging to my room and, um, and taking breaks before maybe I would just like walk around the building just to get out out of the office. Now um, I'll go downstairs and like you know and, and clean clean the kitchen real quick just to take my mind off of work. So I think we some in some ways we work similarly um, at least for me, but just the the way that the the way that I take a break from the work day just differs based based on where, where I'm working. Yeah. Uh, so I hope we answered your question. I want to get to some of the other topics that we're, we were wanting to talk about. Uh, and Bridget and Stephanie, let's start with you two. Um, in the past two years, what what are the things you learned about how you can engage engage employees? Like, what what lessons have you le learned that you maybe didn't know before the pandemic started? Uh, I would say open communication is huge. I mean, I know Jill talked about it a little bit with having, um, you know, a lot of her reps that are remote, but really opening the communication and helping uh, everybody understand why we're making the decisions that we are really keeps them engaged in the business. Um, because we're always looking out for our employees. We always have their best interest as well as our customers' best interest at heart. So we want them to be able to understand why we chose, in our case, to buy a building. We just bought a building uh, because we're growing. You know, that's a huge expense. Well, why would we do that? Because it services our customers. It provides us uh, ability to grow our productionary production area, but then it also helps our employees because now they're not so cramped. We've got more space for them as well. So, uh, and they can also see how it will help us to grow our business and reach our, our goals as a company. Uh, so really, I think one of the keys for us, what we learned is that true open communication. Um, also that flexibility, we've already talked about that quite a few times here with just the new work situations, um, but allowing that flexibility for uh, our employees, both in this office as well as production. Um, you know, we have to think about that, especially for us during peak season. Um, you know, we can be working six days a week, but you have to take employees into consideration and their time and the time away from their family. Um, you know, so you really have to, to really think and communicate with your employees and allow that flexibility. Um, for us, uh, one of uh, the things that we learned through this whole process is really to focus on our people, our company, our, our what we call memory makers, because they are so important to, to us. And we really worked hard to make sure they all returned back to um, full, full force here. Uh, so that was another lesson I think that we learned is really, again, focusing on uh, the people, uh, because once your people are happy here, uh, it's going to create a better work environment for them. They're going to be happy. Uh, it's going to create more productivity. And in our case, um, better service to our customers as a supplier, uh, working with distributors and creating those relationships. Anything else, Bridget, that I missed? Well, and I think as a leadership team, we learned not that we weren't humble or transparent before, but we are even more because this the whole pandemic, nobody knew how to navigate. You know, this was all new you know, challenges for many businesses that we didn't know. And just 
again, communicating, we don't have all the answers today, you guys. We're trying to figure that out. We need your feedback and bringing them in on those decisions to help explain the why and just staying humble and going, hey, <laughs> we're, not, we're not perfect. We're just doing the best we can. And I think that really helped with engagement because there was a new layer or I should say a new level of trust that happened between our memory makers and our leadership team during that time. And understanding change is going to happen. That was alluded to as well, um, you know, making sure that everybody understands it's not set in stone. You know, this is a process we're all going through as we get past the pandemic and we get back to whatever, you know, our world is going to look like for the next couple of years. Uh, it's going to change. It's going to evolve every time. And I think the more you communicate with everybody, they're they're willing to accept the fact that this isn't set in stone and tomorrow I may come in uh, to a slight change or a new process, you know, whatever it is that's going to make us better at whatever we're doing in the current time, looking at what we're doing right now. Those are all great answers. Jill, um, what, what about you? I think two things really come to mind for me. Um, the first is that, um, you know, I have this saying that, you know, empathy and accountability are not mutually exclusive, right? You, you need to have both. And I think we had to weave through a lot of empathy for our employees, especially as many of our employees were, were dealing with kids at home and trying to get work done with kids running around because daycares were closed because of an exposure or somebody who had, unfortunately, a sick family member or, or other members of our team directly being ill. So, so all of those life things happening that we had to have great levels of empathy and and just extreme flexibility and understanding and then i think the flip side of that coin is you know we still have to drive accountability and getting things done and and how do we do both of those things i think to me it's like setting super clear expectations um you know setting the vision for the team and then letting the team figure out how to make those things happen um, but that was a big learning is how to how to blend those two, how to have this extreme flexibility, extreme understanding for people as they were going through really difficult things. Um, but then also recognizing that we had to drive the business forward. Um, so that was, to be honest, it's still not perfect, but that was like a big aha for me as we were going through this is that, you know, those two things can can happen in tandem. They don't have to, they, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, the second thing I learned and, and this is not really COVID related. This, we, we've had a remote workforce before COVID, but, but I think it ties into this. Um, giving honest, productive performance feedback in a virtual environment is way more difficult than doing it face-to-face. -face. It feels awkward. It feels forced. It feels like you're, you know, it's just, it's easy. You're not seeing body language as clearly. And so, but you can't, you can't not do it, right? You can't sweep it under the rug. And so my, my team, we actually partnered with HR and we did some performance management training. We did some feedback training. Um, we practiced these things, right? Because you, you still have to give that, give that honest, productive feedback that's helping people advance their careers. Um, but it's just kind of weird to do it over Zoom. It just, it just feels odd. And so that was a learning of like, you can't set that aside. You have to move forward. But we trained ourselves in how to do that. So it's an interesting contrast where the before in the office, like the person's life situations felt very distant. Um, now those are at the forefront, but you, if you, you have less of a grasp of that person because you're not seeing them every day. So it's just interesting how one, one thing has been accentuated, but the other thing then is, is at a remove. So yeah, that definitely, definitely, um, definitely a big change. Um, Carolina, what, what, what would you say? What, what are the things that you've learned? Um, very similar to that, that balance of, pushing forward and getting things done while actively listening to people's sensitivities. I mean, it's not just at Blink, but in the world, different people consumed the pandemic and everything that came with it in a very different way. And so ours is just on a smaller level um, and just kind of listening. Listening has been, I mean, I, I think I say I'm a pretty good listener normally, but I've had to really elevate that as well as our whole entire executive team. And just because you don't, agree with the way that somebody is reacting to something doesn't mean that it's not completely valid um, and worthy and needs to be listened to and accounted for. And then putting 
and, and letting them feel like they're in a safe area to express everything that they might be feeling while still pushing forward the needs of the company. Um, that was probably the one thing that as an entire executive team, or we would just kind of talk through quite a bit and try to figure out the best way to put that forward. I feel like we I did a great job with it. I'm very proud of our team of how um, they move forward because it's just a weird, I mean, it's just a weird time and people feel weird about everything. And so, um, yeah, I think that was probably it. it is just everyone listening and having the empathy of your situation is completely different than mine. And just because I don't, feel the way you do doesn't make it something that we should ignore or not put something in place. So yeah, that's ours. <laughs> so I want to talk about company culture. I think we, we talked about this a little bit in terms of being in person versus digital and how do you create that, but maybe let's take a step back and make it a little broader. Uh, you know, company culture is something that's mentioned a lot, especially with the companies on this list because I think it's a real feather in their cap. Uh, and Carolina, just to start start with you, um, mm -hmm. you know how how do you go about in intentionally building a company cult culture that makes Blink a place that people want to work at? Um, part of it is a lot of luck. Um, no, I think I think luck is when your preparedness meets the opportunity. Obviously, that's that's part of our luck. But um, we. So my brother and I started the business together 20 years ago. Um, so we literally are a family business um, and we've put into place things where, I mean, it, you know, there's there's debate now whether you should be calling people at your workplace family because all the bad things that come with it, if, if you have to fire them, blah, blah, blah. But it does have a feeling of um, family here that we literally do care about each person that's here. I Granted, when we're 500 people deep, that might be a little bit harder for me personally to get to know each person. But right now, we really take a vested interest in each person that's here. With that, we know that we spend a lot of hours here during the day, more than we spend with our families sometimes. Um, and so we want it to be a fun environment. So we, um, for several years, we've created a committee um, that is basically in charge of making all the fun things happen. So whether it's events, whether it like, you know, some, they did a potluck the other day where everybody just brought in some food. Um, we do um, we do these poker chips where people can nominate people that went above and beyond and they can cash them in every month for gift cards. We do um, we have a monthly book club. We I mean, we just do different things that don't take away from the work productivity, but really get people feeling like they're, you know, they can take a break from their desk for a minute and do something fun with the people that they work with. So. Great. Yeah. Stephanie and Bridget, what, what, what's your what's your answer? How do you intentionally create culture at Crystal D? Uh, well, our company mission statement is uh, to be the first choice, and part of that is to be the first choice employer, and part of that is to be the first choice for our customers. So, for us, when it comes to creating a culture here, um, you know, it's sometimes hard to put into words because it's a feeling. You know, it's that feeling that Carolina was talking about with the family. Um, you know, here we do the same thing. We put activities in place. Uh, we literally will close down for three-fourths of a day and take everyone from production to customer service to sales and marketing off-site. Uh, we'll do events as one team because that's really what we're working towards is being one team. Uh, so we spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of um, financial uh, money towards making sure that we really set ourselves apart and show our employees how much we appreciate them. Uh, we have five core values, and we every quarter we have a person that is uh, kind of a champion of that value, and that is all done by our employees, you know, our memory makers. They will uh, choose someone, they'll nominate them for going above and beyond if that happens to be the one, or if it's uh, being treated like I would want to be treated, uh, you know, they are the ones that are coming in and saying, hey, we really think this person stepped up and we want them to be our champion for this quarter. Uh, so we have quarterly ones, we have yearly long ones. Um, so we have a lot of different events that involve the people um, and really focus on creating that excitement, that energy. Uh, when we do something, it's loud music oh, everywhere. Loud music, there's beach balls. Yeah. We had our first in-person company meeting for, what has it been, 
two years. <laughs> Since COVID, yeah. yeah. And it was my first experience. Um, I've only been here a year. And I'll tell you, you walk out of there energized because you feel it. You feel it in um, you know, our owner, Chuck. You feel it in our entire leadership team. And, and it's just so much of a good vibe going through. And you walk out of those events. That was a company meeting. But all of those events just feeling like, I belong, I'm here, I can make a, a difference in this entire company and the movement of this company towards its goals. So, uh, you know, there's just a, just a lot that we do to, to encourage that. And our journey started back in 2005. So kind of what Carolina said, like, it's an intentional effort. Like culture is an intentional effort and you have to have a lot of grit to keep it going. We have one person designated here where her job is just internal marketing and it's 40 hours a week and she helps um, the owner who's kind of the visionary of the company and going, okay, this is what I want um, our culture to look and feel like. Like he can, th that team defines our culture even though the culture is actually the people. Like the people decide what the culture is you know, executives, the top us on this call, we can say this is what we want it to be, but ultimately the people are going to decide if that's what it is or not and make the culture. Um, but it really was the key to building a culture was that intentional grit and effort every single year to go, okay, what are, what's our plan? What's our plan? What's our plan? Because we did make mistakes along the way and we lost it and then we got, got it back and then we lost it again. And then we put all the programs Stephanie is talking about in place because it keeps it in front of our memory makers. And then that one person owning the execution of it was absolutely key as well. So those would be a couple tips I would give people if they're going, oh, we don't have a culture, how do we start? Um, define it and then make sure you actually have a plan and somebody who's gonna own the execution of that plan. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Uh-oh. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think uh, CJ may have froze on us a little bit. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deliver the pack. All right. Now he's twice. Did I please or did everybody else please? It, it, might, it might have been me. I, I can't tell. I think that was you, CJ. Yeah, only, only you were gone. <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, but, but wonderful answers, and everybody froze, and I, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were great answers. No, sorry, sorry, I had to ruin the moment for, for everyone. Um, by the way, I, I love the idea of the, of the champion, the champion that's submitted by the employees. And I, I forgot to mention earlier, best place to work is. Um, is actually it's not us saying who the best place to work are. It's um, companies are companies survey their employees and, and the employees who say hey, who, who the who those great companies are. So they come from employees. So I, I, lo I love that idea. Uh, you know, how how does Foxtrot uh, intentionally make culture? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I'm like writing down all these ideas from Crystal Dia mm -hmm. Blank. These are like brilliant. I'm, I'm gonna like steal with pride. Um, so for us, I think it's a couple of things. Um, the two things that come to mind is you know, really creating a sense of purpose. I think employees want a purpose of why am I working so hard every day? What is what is this for? What is what is the bigger picture here? And and for us at Foxtrot, it really all connects back to our ownership group. So we are owned by a Native American Indian tribe uh, based here in Minnesota. And what's really purposeful for our employees is that you know our profits are not just going to make like one person super wealthy, right? Our profit is going to uplift an entire community. It's going towards Ojibwe language preservation, health and human services projects, um, creating economic self-sufficiency for within the tribe that owns us. And so we've really worked hard to connect the culture of our company um, to have exposure to the culture of our shareholders um, who are the band members uh, of, of the tribe that own us. And that has created a deep sense of purpose as we're winning new customers and as we're getting packages out the door, it's like th this is what this is for, right? And, and really creating those relationships and those connections there. Um, the second thing I can think of that's been huge for us is creating a, a, an intentional culture of gratitude. So we have this internal program called Spotlights where anybody can just, you know, zing a spotlight or a thank you, uh, you know, to somebody on in our internal system um and you know 
basically my favorite day of the month is when I get the spotlight report and I can see everybody who has said thank you to their team and said thank you to somebody cross-functionally um, for the great work that they're doing. Um, so really trying to make sure that we're having a culture of gratitude has been really big for Foxtrot as well. And I think CJ's gone. Yeah. Carolina. We're on our own again. <laughs> Your turn. Here we are again. I forgot the question. Um, let's see. Well, we, we so had, I think the next question is around hiring. If I can, like, do, I have it right up in front of me until. Oh, hey, guys. This time it didn't freeze. It just, it just like, just, just, just dropped out. me off. It's like they. <laughs> The, the powers that be like uh, you don't you don't need me to host you go, you everyone's doing something. Well, we were we were going we were ready. ready. <laughs> uh, so we only have a few minutes left. Um, so here's so so first thing though I want to get to to Mar Mary's question. Mary sells. Um, she asked about um, it, so being on the best place to work list. I'll open this up to the whole group. Um, being on the best place to work list, or at least having you know that that label that reputation of a, of a great place to work. Uh, how does it help you build relationships either with um, with other distributors, if you're a supplier, or between suppliers and, and, and distributors, what what does that do do for you for your your companies? Anybody can answer. Um, I would say less about um, my relationship with other distributors, though. I would love to build that with in suppliers with you guys. Um, I think mostly ours is with um, recruiting. Uh, we have people a lot of times in interviews, they mention like, I saw you on best places to work. Tell me about it. And it gives us just an opportunity where it's like a seal of approval that we've gotten it from somebody else that our own employees are voting us or nominating us for this. Um, I think that's where we've seen most of it. But I would love to do some kind of networking with suppliers and distributors who are on the list. Yeah, I would say ditto to that, Carolina. We use it more for kind of building internal pride and internal communication and and then recruiting efforts as well, which is super important right now mm -hmm. um, as, as we've got a few positions that have been quite stubborn to fill. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's an awesome idea though, Mary. So thank you for bringing up that question. What, uh, what about from, a, from for, for Crystal D, uh, as a supplier being a best place to work, does that affect your relationship with distributors? I, yeah, I can. <laughs> um, and you can jump in. Um, I would say yes. I mean, we definitely use it, like Jill and Carolina said, on the recruiting side. Um, but on the side of you know supplier distributor relationships, it's more about alignment mm -hmm. and partnering with distributors who align with us. Um, we use it also. We look at alignment not only on that side, but also on our vendor side, right? I mean, we want partners who have that same type of core values and want to move into the direction of growth. We have really big growth goals over the next few years here. And so we're looking for partnerships to do that. Um, and, and actually the discussion by our sales team with vendor relations team and, and ownerships of distributorships, it's a good talking point to bring that up and pull out from them too. Uh, what, what's important to you, what, you know, and that whole discussion around that, because we're obviously not looking for partners who treat their employees horribly. We're looking for, you know, partners who love their employees and again, have that same type of um, mindset and um, core values. I would think too, internally, how it helps us with our relationships with distributors is we're proud. We're proud that we won this. And I think that runs through the entire company. So whether you're in sales and you're talking to a distributor, uh, you know, if you're somebody at the masking table, uh, you, you're proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished. So you just kind of have that, that internal sense of, hey, you know, we stand out because we are one of the best places to work. I need to make sure that the product that goes into this customer's hands gives them that same feeling that I get because we're all about um, uh, celebrating emotions, right? So they're here, we're proud of it, we're emotional about it, and we wanna transfer that emotion onto, in our case, the end customer if they're receiving the product or if you're sales, the distributor that we're talking about. So I think here it really helps us internally uh, to just kind of boost ourselves in our corral, our, our culture, and how we interact with our customers and, and the final result of our product. Okay, great. So 
we're we're getting close to wrapping up. Even though there's no hard time limit, I don't want to keep people more than an hour. I know how how busy uh, people are. So I'm going to ask everybody um, one final question. It's going to relate to hiring because I think you know we can all agree, you know, a company is only as good as people who work who work for it, and uh, and that, that's such a, a, cru a crucial thing. Uh, Carolina, I'll, I'll just start with you. Okay. Um, what what type of what type of uh, person does Blink look for when they're hiring, and, and what strategies have worked for you to find that person? Um, that's a great question. Um, we have gotten a ton of our employees from other people that work here, referring people that they know, um, which is a huge compliment. At the same time, we don't necessarily want everybody to be exactly the same. We have a lot of women here. Um, and so we were trying to be conscious about um, everyone aligned on hardworking, loyal to their company, all of, all of those characteristics the same, but not necessarily everybody in the same friend group necessarily, um, which has brought us great people. But um, so our, the ways that we've done it is mostly referrals from our friends. Um, we've done also, um, you know, the regular zip recruiter and all of those. For certain positions, we are having, like uh, mentioned earlier, having a tough time filling a couple of our spots. Um, and for whatever reason, we are getting an influx of salespeople wanting to work here right now, which is amazing. Um, but we need the support to, you know, carry through some of their orders. So that's where we are. It's a weird spot. We've never in 20 years. I haven't been in this spot before. Um, yeah, I think that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. <great. laughs> Uh, Stephanie and Bridget, who who would be the ideal memory maker? What like what 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 kind of qualities do you look for, and how do you find those people? Oh, that's so it's not tough, but yet it is tough. Um, you know, we want someone that really has the same core values that we do. Uh, you know, that they have integrity, uh, that they're going to work hard. Uh, they're going to think about the company and pushing the company fo forward as well as themselves. Um, you know, so we're looking for specific individuals that have all of those core values, whether it's in a sales role or whether it's in a production role. And for us, we're not willing to compromise on those values. So it does make it difficult for us. Um, you know, we've done, you know, just like Carolina said, we've done the Indeed, we've done the Zip Recruiter. Um, but lately, I would say our best um, result has come from what she said, employee referrals. It's it's those within your company that already have those core values that are talking to their yeah. connections, their friends, their families, um, you know, who then speak to someone else. Um, you know, it's that's really what has gotten us the most traction uh, in just even within the last three weeks of, of getting ourselves to where we need to be for busy seasons. So um, that that employee refer referral is really important and you get that because they believe in your culture and they believe in you um, because you believe in them and they transfer that to those that they know and, and wanna bring on board with us. Yeah, that's a huge compliment for sure. It is, it is. Great. Um Jill, what about what about Foxtra? I think it's maybe you know you have a, a slightly different scenario where maybe you're able to cast your net wide, wider with a, with a primarily hybrid or home-based workforce. But I'm sure there's ideal people that you're looking for. So what 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 are those qualities, and think how do you find those people? Yeah, yeah. So I think obviously a fit with the values is really important. Um, I think on top of that, we're looking for somebody who has what I call learning agility someone who can learn new ways of thinking, new ways of working, can learn a business model quickly. Um, we talk about like learning, unlearning, and relearning <laughs> because just with how quickly our industry is changing, how quickly our customer expectations are changing, we need somebody with that learning agility who can, who can quickly shift. Um, that's important. Curiosity, um, the ability to ask why and, and change a process is, is also really important. Um, and then I think to uh, the critical thinking skills, right? Just somebody who can create a framework, analyze a problem um, and, and, and put it into place, maybe connect disparate sets of information. That's, that's important as well. Um, so, so those are the key things that we're looking for. Um, and then on top of that, from our leaders, we have an expectation that the leaders will truly be employee first servant leaders. Um, we've really worked hard to shift our mindset from being customer centric to being employee centric. And what we found is that our ENPS or employee net promoter scores 
have gone up substantially in the last four years as, we, as we've shifted that mindset. And along with that, our customer uh, customer satisfaction scores have gone up too. So, so we know that if we take care of our employees and we keep them at the center of our universe, they will take care of our partners and customers. And it's just been really neat to see those scores kind of go up in parallel um, and show us that that strategy is working. Great. Uh, well, really, th thank you to, to everybody. These are some amazing um, ideas, strategies, so much, I think, for our viewers and listeners to take, take away from. Some re just really, really, really great exchange of ideas. So thank you to everybody. And just a reminder, um, Counselor Best Places to Work, Again, um, it's be available all this week. We're revealing 10 companies each day, asicentral.com slash news. Um, be sure to follow along. You can find out where Foxtrot, Blink, and Crystal D rank, rank on the list. Um, but it, truly, anybody on that list, um, no matter where they rank, is a, really a special company doing amazing things and um, definitely some great things from as our, as our panelists have shown, shown today. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for watching, and have, have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Thanks.